The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. And it's Wins Above Fantasy, episode 87. We have a special release here on Saturday, February 18th. And it is a momentous show, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a, a trick up our sleeve, but we are going to be talking about pitch level value, the uh, latest and greatest metric rolled out during PitchCon. And we have a special guest to talk about it as well. I'm Van Burnett, joined as always by Steve Giswelli. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore verified. Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, I think we're pumped for the show, pumped for, you know, February kind of hopefully coming to a close here quickly. We can get into March baseball before we introduce our esteemed guest. How's it going over there, man? Yeah, it's good. Um, I am fully recovered from being sick, which was which was nice. I think the, the start of spring training, like cured me like the day that that happened uh, I automatically felt better just to, to see baseball was in the air and then of course five minutes later it was announced that Jacob deGrom got hurt but whatever uh, I guess that means it's baseball season officially right like that was the the joke going around Twitter today but it's great you know football is officially over and you know you see all the tweets it's now baseball season it's become like a cliche but it, it is like you know we have we have spring training like I am going down to Florida in a week and a half, and I will be attending a spring training game. So wow. I cannot wait. Yeah, and then you'll you'll come back, and it'll be even warmer and closer. It's like going to the the bathroom at the restaurant, and then your food's back when you return. You know, it's a yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, a, good it's a nice it's a nice surprise. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess we'll we'll segue from that colorful conversation to introduce a special guest, ladies and gentlemen, because here we are in episode eighty seven. And this is a, a guest that we have uh, met with many times. We have podcasted a few times, but never on Winsbub Fantasy. He's a man who, uh, you know, has a lot to do with Pitcher List in that it, it is uh, his baby and his Twitter handle. And I don't know why I'm doing such a drum roll when you guys know from the show title that we have Mr. <laughs> Nick Pollock on. Nick, great having you on. Welcome to the show. What is happening? Oh, it's so nice to be here. I, I you, you said this is the first time I was on here, and I still don't quite believe that, honestly. Uh, it doesn't seem Well, right. we've been on yours for many yeah. uh, PL mock talked to you guys drafts, so many times. You know, so. I know it. But I, I know it's it. an honor to be here. I'm excited to talk about everything uh, fantasy. 
Well, it's great having you, Nick. And I think, you know, we, we're still figuring out because we're creeping up on episode 100 and we're like, we got to do something cool. We had talked about possibly having you on for episode 100. And now I feel like we're still getting a great occasion because we're here to talk about PLV, you know, what the metric is, what makes it unique, how the whole process has been. And of course, for all of our listeners who are wanting some some draft nuggets and, and some player analysis, we'll talk about some guys as well. But Nick, just talk about your world because PL8 has launched, PitchCon is in the rear view. You're still extremely busy this time of year, but how's life, man? Steve and I were just talking about how the clouds are kind of parting for us. Uh, give us the the personal Nick Pollock rundown. This here. is the best time of the year. Uh, it's you know as we all prepare for the season ahead, it's all about the hype of what's to come, right? And uh, we just get to talk and dive into everything. I've been doing this on my own since so November, but now everyone else is doing it too. And then you see stuff from spring training. You get news like Jacob Degrom being hurt, you know, and Frankie Montes needing surgery, and all that fun stuff. But soon we get to see actually guys maybe throwing harder in the spring and uh, little bits here and there about how we move our pieces for drafts and what the ideal strategy is. We go back and forth. Who are our, our guys and who isn't? And then it's this massive anticipation for that first day when it all gets thrown out the window. And it's so much fun. I I, uh, I say to all my friends, March is the best month of the year because it's the peak of that hype and anticipation. And everyone else hates March. They think it's so stupid. And I'm like, no, it's the best time. And we're so close to it. So I, I'm I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I hope you guys are too. I couldn't agree more, Nick. Uh, I, I love March. My, my few of my friends in college, like, we just had like a running joke about how March was always the best month. Like all the sports are going on, obviously not yes, football, March but madness too. March yeah. madness. Baseball's about to start. Like basketball like and hockey are getting into, yeah, the masters are coming up. Basketball oh, okay. and hockey that, are like yeah, well, close one, to the yeah. playoffs. It's, it's great. It's great. But I, I agree. And I, I just, you know, remember what you said, like in, in the beginning of your pitch con, uh, um, presentation, like, pacing on your roof, uh, you know, thinking of these things in the middle of the pandemic. Like that's kind of how I feel like without baseball, it's just like pacing around waiting for yeah. it to happen. And then, and then it finally does and you get all these drafts and it's just, it's just so much fun. March is, is definitely my favorite month of the year. I, I couldn't agree more. Well, the question is Nick that I have for you, I, I keep prodding at this, you know, the, the, how busy your schedule is, is do you take the foot off the pedal slightly knowing that, you know, PitchCon, the site launch net, like now can you really focus to your personal, you know, research and no. articles? I mean, what, what happened? I mean, yes and no, like that's kind of right. I, I now have like, I think I have 10 things I have to put out before the start of the season. Um, from like the overall to my sleepers and busts for starters and so on and so forth. Uh, but I mean, that's kind of fun. I'm going to be live streaming some of that creation as well and their updates and all this stuff. Uh, but really for me, I don't know, in the business of fantasy baseball, it's kind of like how it is in fantasy football where you have like three, four months where it's gung-ho, mm -hmm. right? Um, for us, it's really February, March, April, May is where like kind of like April 15th, April 20th, you know what the season is like. And then it's just kind of cool. Let's do this routine. And that's kind of where I settle into that. I feel most comfortable during the year, personally. Yep. And then it's about, uh, I mean, I'm already starting the design doc for PL10, if you can believe it. Sorry, it's, it, that's next year. It's PLX. We're skipping nine. 
Like every cool tech company, there was no nine <laughs> iPhone. There was no Windows nine. Uh, and technically it is the 10th year of Picture Gifts Inc. So, uh, so it'll be PLX next year. And I'm already doing that design doc. So like that's, you know, I want all that stuff done, ready to go June 1st. And I can kind of relax for a moment there. Yeah. Well, from, from PLX to PLV, that is <laughs> the name of the game for, for tonight's show. And we're really excited, Nick, because we were joking kind of before we, we started the podcast that, you know, this is kind of the this, uh, you know, almost the classic rollout strategy where it's like there is a little bit of that, the buzz around it. I think you guys put out some sneak peeks. Then PitchCon, you and you and Kyle Bland did the the full show and rundown. You guys can go check that out on YouTube. If you look up PitchCon PLV, it's kind of the the primer on everything. And I know you're working on an article right now, but you've kind of shared some of the data out. Steve and I were were looking around at the podcast, and we think this might be the first time you've had kind of the live Q&A session. Is that a, a fair assessment? That is, yes. I, I did one with, with Kev, the roto-surgeon, a little bit, um, but I haven't really jumped in as much as you know, like this article is going to and what I plan to. So this will be the first one. I am putting out a primer podcast. It's just me. It's like explaining it to everybody. Essentially, I want you to have an understanding of PLV from three areas, right? You have the video if you want that. You have the article on the site if you want that. And then the podcast if you want that, right? Beautiful. So I'll have those things. But no, I haven't had a proper Q&A yet. Well, this is right on brand for us because, you know, uh, throughout the last couple of seasons, we had our, our TLDR segment, which was essentially me and Steve playing the common man and trying to wrap our head around things like, Seam shifted wake or oh, yeah. Alex Chamberlain's, uh, you know, uh, pitch leaderboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, vertical approach angle or attack yeah. angle, and and so this one will kind of structure the same way for all our, of our listeners. Uh, a broad Q and A with with Nick up front, and then on the back half of the show, we'll talk about some guys that might be impacted. Do a little live analysis, looking at some of the spreadsheets and everything. But uh, Steve, before we kind of fully dive in. As I like to do, give me your two cents on kind of the topic in general, how you came across this and some of the things that you found kind of cool about it, knowing that we're still wrapping our arms around it. I just think it's such a cool idea. And, you know, obviously go out, watch those those two um, videos from PitchCon. Uh, there was basically explaining what PLA is with, with Kyle Bland, like, like you said before. And then, like, the practical use video. And obviously, we have Nick on to, to do this. But my two biggest takeaways were, after I, after I heard it, it's like, what, wait, why weren't we doing this the whole time? Like, right? we, have, we have these inputs and we have these projection systems that, okay, we use past outcomes and events and things that happen to predict future events. But we have all this data now that can get super, super granular and go to hey, uh, the pitch level. Uh, that's why it's PLV, I guess. That's a uh, that's some that's some good acronyms there. That's I, I know that that's your your pride and joy there, Nick. That's just you know, <laughs> it, it's a simple and subtle genius. You know, I, I remember I, I like yeah. So happy that I could yeah. stick in picture list inside of PLV. <laughs> exactly, I was it's so it's, thrilled about it. It's unbelievable what you're able to do with that sort of stuff and how your mind works. That's why it, I, I mean that wholeheartedly. It's <laughs> it's it's actually impressive. Um, but 
we have all of this pitch level data and things and, 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 you know, obviously guys a lot smarter than me, like Kyle and yourself, like can break it down and apply machine learning and get the formulas and the data. Why don't we use those things for projections, for uh, an ERA estimator, for assigning a value to not only a pitcher, but to a batter and, you know, outcomes and predict them that way rather than use events that there could be so many different factors that led to player X hitting 40 home runs one year and then 18 homers the next year. Like, you know, maybe there was a wall that year or, or, or whatever, you know, that was before a stadium had a, had a, had a building built outside of it that affected the wind flow and, and right, right. it made their home ballpark easier and they got five home runs because of that, whatever. If we, if we can eliminate all that noise and use that data, like we're obviously going to get a better tool and a better system to, to predict these things. And like, you know, it's hard to be predictive, right? Like I find myself best at, in, in fantasy outside of the draft. Honestly, I've never really considered myself a good drafter. I've been shrewd with pickups and, and trades and things like that. Not that I'm, you know, tooting my own horn for how good I am. It's, it's hard to draft just because, you know, I could get caught up in shiny new toys or, or certain projections, but if we're able to do that better, I think that's such a powerful and like mm-hmm. unlimited tool. And like, if this is just the first version of it, like it's it's only going to get better. It's just, you know, uh, like my first point, like why weren't we doing this for a long, long time? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and that's what I thought was so cool too. Hearing Nick, that obviously you've got the site. There's so much work you're doing on like a you know day to day basis to have your eye on the big picture and you guys have been working on this for like three years. It's got to be super fulfilling to see it rolled out. So we're super excited to to get into it. And and with that, I think Steve hopefully got, got the attention of the listeners of why were we not always doing this. So without further ado, Nick, the, the toughest question and one that we've joked in the past on the TLDR uh, podcast it doesn't do it justice to try to do the explain it to my grandma version of this, but to your best ability, can you summarize uh, what PLV is for our listeners? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I've actually like paced in my kitchen trying to figure out the exact way I should be saying this on podcasts. The elevator um, speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just very quickly. And at its core, um, what PLV does is nothing dissimilar from like pitching bot or pitching plus it's a pitch quantifier just gives a number to a pitch i can go into more detail about how it does that but what's really cool about plv for us is that it essentially answers the question was this a good pitch or a bad pitch Mm -hmm. and by answering that question instead of looking at the entire season of spencer strider's fastballs we can say is that a good or bad pitch in a singular moment and that lets us analyze everything way differently. We can say, yes, that was a home run, but it was off of a meatball. Or you threw an, a perfect changeup down away, and Mike Trout hit it for a home run. And you shouldn't be negatively uh, impacted by that. You shouldn't have been, but you were. Um, we can do things like you threw so well this game, and you allowed seven more hits than our model predicted. That's a better version of BABIP. 
mm-hmm. you get BABIP and it's it's like you don't understand what the normalization is. But if you just look at only the pitch and say, these were good pitches and these are bad pitches, it unlocks this entire suite of stat applications that we aren't before. And I, I really want to make this clear of this is a, a first step for us. Um, again, I'm not saying that this is better than pitching plus. I'm not saying it's better than pitching, but it's a different way. We use a lot of the same things. We know that other MLB organizations have quantifiers as well. What we're doing is utilizing it at such a granular level and applying it differently that at its heart, the raw grade that we give is the least important thing. It's about how we use that seed to then create these other metrics to have a different narrative about what happened. So we're really excited about this. It's the first step. We're just kind of, you know, we had to get that seed good. You know, we had to make it right for a long time to make sure that we trusted that. And then allows us to do fun things like, yeah, projections that we're putting out next week that are way different. They are like so many people are going to look at them and go, "Mm, this is kind of (laughs) wild. And they go, I know, but that's the point. We're not doing a reg- mean to you know a regression to the mean analysis. Mm-hmm. We're doing hey, these are the pitches that were thrown, and these are the hitters that did this right off of these pitches, and it's going to say like yeah, he was really good, and he's going to do you know he, I think we have judge at like fifty seven home runs or something, and everyone goes that's ridiculous. He just had like a historic season. I'm like yeah, but he deserved to have a sixty two home run season. You know like he did these things that we expected him to do. So uh, I think it's something crazy like that might be a little bit more dropped down now. But the point of the matter is you're going to see ridiculous numbers in some ways. And instead of just blanketly like just trusting ours, we're like, hey, ours are good, but they're more aggressive. And if in the context of the other projection systems, this is a very helpful thing. And that's a cool, cool thing because it just does it from a different angle. So for sure. I'm excited about this. It opens the door for so many different ways of analysis. And it's just kind of the year of us exploring all the different ways of using it. Yeah, that's a great way to, to kind of preface all of this. And I think we're going to get into some specific questions about how you would advise people use it. I mean, sure. I, I think we know that across the bevy of resources out there, usually the best approach is to look at everything and start piecing a puzzle together. Um, But before we get into some of those specific questions, I got to ask Nick, because I know it's been years in the making. And if we could get to the origin story, Steve talked about it a little bit of like, why haven't we always been using this? Was there kind of a moment for you or something that kind of led to that initial spark? I know in your presentation, you put up the original, uh, I think it was like the golden formula. And you're like, this is oh, yeah. not the golden formula. But what <laughs> what led to that? What, did you see like a check swing that was like, that should not be a swinging strike? Or was oh, there, was there anything was... or did it just kind of develop P-Val, over time? man. P-Val sucks. <laughs> Sorry. It, it just bothered I've, me so I have much. never, that is like the strongest curse word I've ever heard you say. Yeah, so that that's is how the most I know aggressive. How, that's I've how I been. know how and, and, passionate <laughs> you feel about that. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's yeah. a very simple thing of saying like, this event happened and this pitch was the initial impetus of it. Thus, we're going to assign it to to that value. Essentially, all it does is saying, I mean, actually in many ways, surprisingly, RAA that is, runs above average that StatCast uses, I think does the same thing and really bothered me because they're like, no, you guys have contact numbers. Use the contact numbers. <laughs> right. They're but, right um, on your page. They're, yeah. they're right there. I know. They're, they're I, I was so shocked. <laughs> I, like, I, I was using this in with that assumption. 
And I tried to like, it was really hard to find the direct information about it, but then it just said like, yeah, no, it's just the, the result. I'm like, what? Because those things, PVAL, if you don't know them, they're quantifiers. They say, look, this sinker was thrown and the result was a single. Thus, it was a bad pitch mm-hmm. because it allowed a single, which inherently like makes sense. You know, generally it's going to be more right than wrong of like you throw the best pitches and you generally should have good outcomes. And, and if you throw bad pitches, you have bad outcomes. But I would watch games and like that was an amazing pitch and it would just get hit and all of a sudden it's a negative thing. And uh, I would see this all the time, but he had a P valve of this on it. And I'm like, that is just the results. That's like that. That is not right. It's just we know better than that. Mm-hmm. And it bothered me immensely. So I was, you know, I remember my, my whole process of pitching analysis, like discovering all of pitch FX was such an eye-opening thing that I didn't really know about until like 2016. Thank you, Enosaurus. And I, but then I saw this PVAL thing. I was like, well, this is stupid. (laughs) And it just kind of started this whole trend for me of like PVAL is fine, but it's not really the answer. Um, And I knew I couldn't really do anything about it because I didn't have any of this data. And slowly and surely we were actually able to get our hands on better and better data. Now we have StatCast data, right? So I... So finally, we had that situation like, all right, I'm it's not cheap, by the way, to get this data. It is not cheap. We always had to do it the right way. We never wanted to scrape it. We never wanted to do anything illegal that like we wanted to do above board always, especially if we're doing something like this. So it took some time for that. We finally got it. And I was like, okay, how on earth do we do this now? And uh, how do we frame it? And this is a really tough question. And uh, it's part of the reason why it took so long is because creating a formula that really works is difficult. It is so, so, so difficult. And we approached it from one angle of um, my golden formula. That was what I thought was finally a frame of reference to be able to give a grade to a pitch. Essentially said, if there is no contact made, um, we have to do the prediction of balls and called strikes and swinging strikes and fouls, right? Or essentially like not in play, right? How good is that? You know, how good is one side? And then the other side is if the ball's in play, how do we grade if that's good or not? And then there's the idea of like the the expectable bacon threshold of like when it's below this, that means it's good for the pitcher. The pitcher would like take a bet saying if that's the expectable bacon on something, I want that to be in play. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. We, we estimate like 250 or 300 or something. Mm-hmm. But that was what we thought the golden formula was. And eventually i went we went through a lot of different iterations of this colin charles is like my hero for from the very beginning working on this with me and honestly we could have put something out of pov like two years ago if we wanted and it would have been bad it just wouldn't have been what we really wanted right and i and then you know i talked to uh, people who are now in organizations we worked with cameron grove for two years for two months cool who did such a good job of transferring it from from this kind of weighted system to run values and utilizing uh, a method um, that then Kyle Bland adapted on and really solidified when he came on the team in June of last year. Pretty much I hired him saying like, you need to finish PLV. And he did it in three months. And unbelievable. Um, and at its core, and I want to get this out there, the core of how PLV does this makes all the sense in the world, okay? We run a prediction model. It's machine learning throws in all these variables from like movement to release point, spin, all of the things that you would think of, velocity, yep. location. 
the handedness of the batter and the pitcher, which is important. You throw a slider is going to be more effective to a righty than a lefty or vice versa based on your handedness and their handedness. And also the count. And I didn't want to include like the um, like it's bases loaded when this event happens. Like that's stupid. That's not the pitch. That's just that. But an 0-2 slider is different than a 1-0 slider. Okay. So that was important to yep. distinguish that. Um, and then what it does is it says this is the expected WOBA. We know this of all counts, the generalized WOBA of every count. And then we take the pitch that's thrown in that count. And we have our own prediction model to say, based on this pitch, this is the expected WOBA of the of the pitch itself in this count. And then we compare it to what the, the WOBA was. So what's the difference essentially created by this pitch of the WOBA? It's a really cool idea mm-hmm. of like, if we think it's a ball, it's going to go from an expected WOBA of like 3.6 to, I don't know, 4.10 or something because it's a 1.0 count to a 2.0 count. Mm-hmm. And there you go. It's 0.5, right? Uh, I mean, that's an ultra simplification, but that's essentially what it's doing. And then, oh, no, we think this is going to be a swing strike when that goes from a 1-0 count to a 1-1 count. Oh, we think it's going to be in play and it's an out. Well, then that's like the zero, you know. Uh, But there's all these weights assigned to every single probability and everything like that to smush it all together into one expected WOBA. And then you have some ridiculous formula that converts that WOBA difference into a run value. What is the amount of runs that changes, right? And that's it. That's all that PLV is. We're done. I know that sounds like everything, but it's simple. That's it. Uh, and then from there, it's all about scaling. And we just have our scale of 0 to 10 because I feel like that's way simpler. You know that it's a PLV 10. That's an amazing thing. Or a, a 1, and that's clearly bad. And that's just way simpler than every other percentile. Uh, and I, I know that you just whatever. had your rant about how horrible PVAL was. Yes. But the one thing that I did like about it is that it was just a simple sum number, right? Yeah. Like I would put the, you know, the qualification or, you know, just say, hey, take this with a grain of salt. It's, it's P-Val. It's like accounting stat kind of thing. Yep. But his P-Val was, you know, negative 19 on this pitch. and you know, Right. It seems bad. Yeah. Th- yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, it was positive on fastballs for this hitter. Right. So, yeah, that's good. It's an easy way to look at it. So the fact that this is on like a zero to 10 scale, it's like, okay, hey, like this is pretty easy to consume. I I think that that is just as important as what actually goes into it. Because if it was this complicated thing to look at or or to see, that's tougher to consume or to to use. The fact that it is on that easily digestible scale, I think is great. It's uh, a... I actually have a part of the article that's my small mini tangent on scales because I think it's something we wrestle with a lot. We might still change it Um, because right now (laughs) the average is five. I was Um, just about to say DeGrom with a a 5.6 next to him is is the only thing that, you know, I feel like DeGrom should start the scale at just like a 9.8. Right. It should be like a 9.7 or something, right? And I actually, I agree with you. Um, I think that's actually, if we are going to change it, it would be more to the extreme of, uh, look, I'll put it this way. Most pitchers are going to sit between 4.5 and 5.5. That's actually the thresholds of what we call quality pitches or bad pitches um, is right there. And then if it's underneath that, it, it is a bad pitcher or quality pitch. That's the bucket we have for that. And I don't love the fact that all these numbers are kind of shoved together. And In that's middle, actually why yeah. we created yeah. PLA 
which is really nice of an ERA scale for you to quickly identify like, oh, that's a 1.8 ERA relative pitch. That's really intuitive. You know that scale already. That's great. Everyone knows that. Baseball stat people are not. You know, not baseball stat people don't know the WRC plus scale. It's unfortunate. It took me a moment. Mm -hmm. And to say like, oh, yeah, that's relative to a 2.7 ERA. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. That's yeah, that's great. That's helpful. Um, so we're still messing around with that. It's early enough that we can do that and be like, guys, it's just going to be this. You'll learn it in a week, <laughs> you know, and that'll be that. You'll mm-hmm. readjust. Yeah. That'll be fine. Um, but I th- yeah, we had a negative three to three scale for that same reason you're talking, Steve, of we want to have pitches that are negative to showcase that, right? Mm-hmm. We also have total PLD. Um, it's why that's not zero to 100. It's zero to 10 because those numbers were going to be like super high. Every pitch gets like a 90 or something. Then like, you're going to have like thousands and thousands and thousands, right? Um, we might make a uh, total PLV over 100 to to make that more like a PVAL scale. Yeah. Um, and a more easier accumulation. Like we're doing the the PVAL draft. Sorry, we would normally do the PVAL draft every year, which is our mm-hmm. like favorite best ball uh, pitcherless draft where we draft individual pitches. We're going to do a PLV one this year. And uh, I might do it over 100 just to keep it all nicer for us and stuff like mm-hmm. a million at the end of the year or something like that well either way the the scales are, are great because they don't let me fall into the the pit of ranger suarez's run value being a minus 21 on his sinker uh so <laughs> that that's my uh bad segue to uh before we we dig in deeper on this our first ad break and we will be right back The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Okay, so Nick, we, we talked a lot about kind of the process, some of the weights, and I think, you know, you've kind of covered it in here to some extent, but just so we can kind of hit the question directly, in your words, what sort of elements, whether, I mean, I know you walked through all of kind of the factors that go into it with like the batter handedness, um, you know, the count, I think seems like it's pretty unique. It's got some of the stuff related things like vertical, horizontal movement, but compared to some other pitch quantifiers, is there something PLV incorporates that's specifically different or unique than than other models that are out there i can't quite speak to that because um you haven't done the formulas of all all of the other ones (laughs) well i I don't know the other ones as much i mean i know elements of it i I know that we're similar in many ways like for example our 
system uh, does compare a breaking pitch to the fastball as uh, pitching plus does. Um, there are a lot of elements to go into it. Uh, why a machine learning algorithm is going to settle on what it does is, um, you know, that's the mystery of the AI, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of how that works. Um, but what I can say is that our weights, I believe, are different in the fact of we're only taking into account and handedness and as far as the context goes. Uh, so... Again, there are going to be things that are different from others. I can't really speak to how, mm-hmm. um, but I. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as what weights of the variables, uh, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many different things involved with what makes a pitch a pitch, um, and we, yeah, we throw them all in there and see what happens. So, is there any? You talked about some of the earlier. I guess, models that you guys, I'd imagine, did kind of a stress test and then you refine and you kind of look at what it spits out and you refine. Yeah. Was there anything that um, you can talk about that was kind of tweaked? Yeah. You know, we, we need more of this or we need less of this. Sure. One of the things that we kept having a problem with was way too much of an emphasis on called strikes uh, and not really weighing in like, yeah, you can just throw a pitch in the zone, and but it will get destroyed. Uh, and waiting in like 3-0 pitches as the most successful PLV pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just, well, no, we can't do that. No one's sweet. Uh, obviously, yeah. we expect it to be a called strike every time, but we can't do that, right? Uh, so things like that, we've had to s- consider how we're waiting X, Y, and Z. Um, it's still going to be a good PLV pitch in a 3-0 count. That's just the nature of this. At the same time, we are also saying it's pretty bad to get to a 3-0. And that kind of nullifies a little bit of that extra reward, so to speak, of throwing a 3-0 fastball that's in the zone, right? Yeah. Um, so we're okay with that. And not to mention, 3-0 counts are not as common as you think. So especially yeah. ones that are actually 3-0 to a 3-1. So to make sure I'm understanding too, Nick, so if, you know, let's just take a picture uh Dylan Cease, one that we all collectively oh, yeah. love here. So Dylan Cease, <laughs> Dylan Cease throws a, a strike on like a zero zero count. Yeah, that strike would score better for his PLV than if the count was three zero, right? No, it would likely be a better one for three zero because it's a three zero count. It the likelihood of that returning a called strike is higher. You you understand what I'm saying? But would I guess that's where my my head is spinning because if if it's a three zero count and it's implied that that it should be a strike, him throwing a strike doesn't. I mean, that's you know, wouldn't that normally be? So I mean, that's that where we strike? came in. We 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 came in and we said, hey, it's waiting it too much. Look, think of it this way: it's three zero. You throw a fastball that's down the middle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or just in any count. If you look at all situations. 0-2, that's going to be terrible. Why? Because the swing decisions of hitters are way higher. Yep. They're going to be swinging more aggressively in 0-2, which means that has a higher likelihood of being punished. Okay? Yep. Now, 0-0, it's still not good, but it's it's you know more likely to be a called strike. And then you go to 3-0, and the likelihood of that pitch getting taken is way up. So if you talk about the context I was saying before of you take the expectation of that count and then you um, can compare it to the actual outcome of that pitch. You throw a pitch in that count, and it's not in the zone. That's likely going to be ball four. There's a big swing there. 
And then I, uh, so the Woba, expect the Woba is actually pretty high for a 3 0 count. But if you are able to get a called strike in that, it's going to favor, like, like that pitch a lot, right? Gotcha. Yeah. So we actually needed to go in and be like, all right, not so much 3 0 counts, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Please, yeah. can we just fix this a little bit? But we didn't really tinker too much with it. We didn't really want to be the guys putting our thumbs on the scale much. But there's some little instances like that that we need to say, like, all right, we got to we gotta fix that. Circumstantial. Yeah. Steve, were you going to add something? No, no. I, I think that kind of summed it up. Like, in 3-0, like, the chance of – if you miss, like, that's ball four. So right. you're kind of having – you know, there, there's more relying on that being a strike or a called strike than in o o If you, if you right. miss, it's, it's just 1-0. It's, it's not a walk. Yeah. So, you know, I, I understand where it's coming from that. The, the stakes sort of are higher. And, you know, I know that it's we want to remove circumstances and, you know, outlying factors as much as we can. But, you know, to include the count, I think, is pretty important. And that what's, kind uh, of What's also really up. funny, yeah. by the way, um, I have these charts because Calpland's the best of just red areas and white and blue of like PLV values by count and by pitch type. And so we have all of them for fastballs, but breaking balls and off speed, we literally don't have enough pitches at three O counts. That's hilarious. To give you a good graph because <laughs> no one throws. They just don't throw them. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's just not what happens. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think that should really showcase, like, yeah, this isn't something that we want to focus on too much. Gotcha. Okay, so we we talked about the weights, kind of, you know, what you guys were were tweaking throughout. In, without getting into names, Nick, if you've looked through who it's kind of, you know, the outputs of, of some of the PLV leaders, have you noticed or are you aware of like certain types of pitchers that the model likes or doesn't like? Do you think sure. that there's enough of a, a sample and to where you could say like, oh, well, if somebody who has wild command is going to be really knocked by PLV. I'm actually I'm really impressed by it, honestly. Um, I thought at first it was just going to say if it's a strike, it likes it, and that's that. Um, but honestly, Tony Gonsolin, um, it hates. It absolutely hates Tony Gonsolin. <laughs> uh, and there are many reasons why. The one that surprises me the most is that despite its splitter being a 70% strike rate last year, it ranks it way below a 5 uh, PLV. Normally, splitters should be like a 5-2, 5-4. These are normally big whiff pitches and using those counts where those would be favorable, right? Mm -hmm. But because Gonsolin throws his in the zone so much, they're essentially shouting, like, you guys should be crushing these mistake yeah. splitters. And uh, it's pretty funny. There's all things about hit luck, too. I'll go into later on. Um, but it, so, so, so Gonsolin stands out, which is hilarious. Um, it generally doesn't like sinker ballers. Not a shock because sinker yeah. ballers don't actually throw good sinkers most of the time. Sinkers, I love, oh man, I love PLV so much because it just validates the things that I've said over the years. Um, my favorite thing about a sinker is O-swing, is that you're throwing it out of the zone and you're jamming guys inside. And there was actually a funny bug that we had. We caught it right away, but there was a moment that sinkers were just so bad. They were like so definitively bad. I'm like, Kyle, there's got to be something wrong with us. It's like because you're like grading Zach Wheeler sinker like really like just barely above average. I'm like that can't be right. And he's like, oh man, I accidentally had um, Fielder's choices as a single instead of an out. And he flipped <laughs> that switch, and oh my god, <laughs> I 
Like then Zach Wheeler's sinker became like a five three pitch or something. I'm like, thank you. It's an out. Pitch. Yes. I was so satisfied, you know. Um, <laughs> so like, I, it actually surprised me that by the end, yes, it doesn't like sinkers because I think there are a lot of guys that it was very negative on, but it's actually very favorable on a decent amount of them. Uh, and I think some of that you mentioned or the yawn or whatever that you hinted at, like they like his sinker so much. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So it, it, for me, it's a lot of discovery. Obviously the highest, uh, PLV pitches are going to be sliders. Um, it's just, they're not thrown in these high risk counts a lot and they just are the best. Everyone knows this sliders mm-hmm. are the best. Um, curveballs are also super favorable too. I do love the fact that it does. It really does amplify those guys that bounce pitches who like if you bounce them and it's just a waste pitch, it negatively grades you harshly as it should. It is always frustrated me watching Tristan McKenzie throw these curveballs that just are just a waste, even though he has a high swing strike rate on his curveball. Tristan McKenzie is not loved by PLB because that's not a good four seamer. Curveball gets bounced a lot. The slider is one of the more inconsistent sliders out there. I think actually I just put up the uh, the bad pitch percentage and Tristan McKenzie's slider was like bottom 25, mm. um, like the most bad pitches of a single pitch type. And it was like top 25. I was like, that's, ah, there you go. So, I mean, that that's my generalization of PLV. There's sometimes it's just extreme and I need to throw my hands up. I'm like, all right, I guess this is <laughs> right. I'm, I'm wrong about this one. Yeah, there were um, there were a lot of those as we were looking through the names, which we yeah, again, yeah, we will we will get to. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the names soon. You you mentioned kind of you know how how we look at it, or even like Tristan McKenzie. I mean, that's a guy who I think a lot of people, us included, had circled uh, going into kind of draft seasons. Nah. In, in terms of fantasy, the average fantasy player. I mean, how would you advise? Because you don't want to put all the eggs in the basket, and there's oh, you know, certain instances yeah. where you're like, "Man, this looks way off from what I expected." So, right. how would you, or how do you plan to use it in in kind of fantasy prep? And what advice would you have for you know the average listener on how they can roll it into their kind of week to week fantasy management? Sure, um, I think it's I think it's a really fun stat that we're still exploring a lot. Uh, we don't have a pitch quanti- uh, sorry, a, an ERA quantifier out yet. We still want to refine it. We have some really fun ideas with it. For example, we can just make a PLV FIP version if we wanted, uh, which is I think really cool because we have in our model we have expected probabilities of everything. So we can do expected home runs. We can do expected hits. You know, instead of just looking at Babbitt, we can just like expected hits, expected strikeouts and walks. We, we can just do that. We can also just run a simulator, you know? Uh, and so like, this is, we resimmed these games and then here you go. Uh, there are a lot of different ways that we can attack it. Um, we're really excited for that one. And that probably will, I'd be really disappointed if we're not right there with FIP and Sierra and whatnot um, after we run that. Because inherently, this is their true skill set. Um, is what these pitches are as of right now um, my biggest suggestion is to focus on hit luck Uh, hit luck to me is the coolest thing we've created thus far and if you're not familiar with hit luck i was describing it before but uh, it's essentially babip there's no real inherent difference about the ideas where babip is just like yeah you allow a lot of hits and in play when that you shouldn't and it should regress to the mean and hit luck says the same thing instead of the actual hits it just says it's the difference between the actual hits and the expected 
right? We have a simulation that says expected. And the coolest part about it um, is that with BABIP, when I say regress to the mean, that is not a constant value. That is different by player. Aaron Judge is going to have a different BABIP than most of the league uh, because he hits the ball super, super hard. And as analysts, we can kind of understand what it should be. We look at previous years. We just look at the bad ball content. Like we kind of say like, well, this isn't so bad. We look at X Babbitt, for example, and we have that extra context, right? However, hit luck, it all regresses to zero. Every single player, it's the same. So much to this that across the top 200 starting pitchers last year, the average was minus two, which is like nothing. That's saying that among all pitchers, the average was that they allowed two fewer hits across the entire season than they should have. That's ex- so that zero is, is yeah. so zero. Exactly. That, that to me was like the greatest, most comforting thing about hit luck was I was, I was expecting it to be kind of out of whack or something minus two. I'm like beautiful, exactly as it should be. Right. So using hit luck is such a quick way. It's the easier way to use Babbitt to see like, was this guy lucky or not? Oh, I, I absolutely adore it. And it's I, I a think, better version. I think that's such a, a, a good way to sort of sum this up and like why this is exciting and good is because I I mean, I'm, I'm like you guys, I've been playing fantasy baseball like a long time. And like, I remember like, you know, you first find out like what BABIP is, you know, when I'm first getting involved and it's like, oh, okay. Like this is a tool that, you know, okay, this guy's BABIP was... 400 next year uh league average is around 300 just to simplify it like okay let's next year let's assume that he is going to be closer to 300 then you know Statcast came along and there's bad ball data and then you can make those assumptions a little better it's like okay maybe he won't regress as much because he hits the ball a lot harder than everybody else and now that we have a tool like this to get rid of those assumptions right to to actually quantify those assumptions right like with just projection systems in general, it's like, oh, okay, like projection systems are inherently negative because they regress everything back to the mean. But we shouldn't be just okay with that and just say, oh, we just need to assume that we have to regress these things. Let's find out more and use, you know, things like that you, know, you guys create like hit luck or right. you know stuff that we'll get into like hitter performance and decision uh, you know oh, performance yeah uh, like, that's the good stuff it's just that that's why <laughs> that's why it's exciting and it's like might you know why haven't we been you know, doing this about know? hit luck too you might be asking but wait isn't like you're saying normalize to zero but like some guys are really good at suppressing hits and other ones other guys aren't that's yeah. actually taking into account it's about the actual pitches that the guy yes. threw. Yeah. And so if, if there's a pitch that so ge- that generates outs or like, you know, weak ground balls that aren't going to be hits, like so that's in account. Yeah. So the crazy thing is Alex Cobb is a very popular one, right? Everyone's like, oh my God, this is like the pinnacle of bad luck last right. year. Yes. Plus five. It was just a plus five across the entire thing. But then nobody, like, come on, Nick, then it's not really that good, right? It can't be can't be that crazy well there are two guys that i laugh at that are just like the most ridiculous of ridiculousness um in terms of got, unlucky yeah lucky or unlucky okay um you could probably guess who they are uh kevin gosman in unlucky. 2021 was right? a minus 46 Whoa. okay and then in 2022 
a plus 37. Okay. Yes, Whoa. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's 37 more hits than he was supposed to allow. Wow. Okay? And what we're actually ever thinking of is, like, should we just make, like, an expected whip? I mean, we could just do that, like a normalized whip, because that turns his 188 hits all the way down to about 150. That's a totally different conversation. Yeah. Uh, 150 plus yeah, that changes uh, like multiple that brings his whip to about like 1.4 1.04 i should say 1.04 yeah which is like, huge and, and who knows what that changes for home runs from solo home runs though right you know that's that's All a of that gigantic stuff. difference yeah so i and his hit per nine was at 9.7 yeah that kind of brings it down to like seven I yeah. uh, that made me like to kind of do a U-turn on my whole Kevin Gosman analysis because I was using like hit, uh, hard contact and stuff, which is generally yeah. very good. It's like, yeah, he deserved a lot of this. Maybe not. Each of his pitches actually had like the first percentile of hit luck, which is hilarious to me. Wow. Just to make sure I'm clear. So that's yeah. based on his actual pitches. Right? Yes. Like his the pitches, data input. We, his pitches, based on what he threw. We're saying that he allowed far more hits than his pitches deserved. Than he should have. Yeah. Go- Gosman's four-seamer cool. and splitter also in stuff in, in pitching plus with Enos. They love the models. Love it. Mm-hmm. Ours does too. Um, his stuff should have a lot more. His pitches should have a lot more success than it does. Wow. Now, okay. On let's the hear other, the other side. Yeah. Give, other give me the side, other side. Can you guys guess the 100th percentile pitcher from 2022? Okay. <sighs> Martin you, Perez. Martin Perez now. I was worried you were going to say Dylan Cease. Ah, no, it's not Cease. It's not Cease. I'm actually curious. Now you have me like looking up both of those guys. Uh, I'll say he's in the NL West. NL West. Oh, Tyler Anderson. Getting close. Don't say Heaney. No, no. No. One more guess. Who the Arias? Nope. Uh, it is Tony Gonsolin. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that was man. that was. Well, you were close. Yeah, you were right, right there. Yeah, over the plate. And, and you know, I thought it was too obvious. You know, you brought him up. Well, before. Ian, I thought a, you were just going to say right away. But <laughs> yeah, nope, yeah. Just yeah. nobody should have went with the obvious answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Gonsolin was a negative fifty-eight. Negative fifty-eight. Fifty-eight fewer hits than you should have allowed. Okay. That's a whip inflator there. It, he allowed now, not to allowed not to get seventy-nine hits total last year. Now I understand. Hit luck does not take into account defense and shifting, right? It doesn't. Uh, and the counterpoint to that is Manoa is actually pretty favorable too on this, on like the, I think he's like 95th percentile. So if you want to talk about team defense and stuff and mm-hmm. shifting, kind of not there for like Gal- Gosman. Like it's just not, right? Mm-hmm. But Gonsolin, 100th percentile. And the Dodgers defense is going to get a lot worse. Now they have Vargas at second, Muncie at third, no Trey Turner, it's no Evan shifts. Lux, no shifts. I am so running for the hills away from Tony Gonsolin because of this. And so you're asking me, how am I using PLV most for fantasy? This is maybe the most important one to me is Hitlock. Wow. So and, and not to make this the the Tony Gonsolin podcast, this is the, the PLV. I've podcast, made like every but... podcast the Tony Gonsolin <laughs> podcast. Yeah. God, he's a nice guy, Nick. I'm sure. I'm like, sure he is. Wonderful. Uh, I know when Eno talks about his model and 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 previous iterations, it's like, oh, you know, they're they're it's hard to or it has a bias against changeups, for example, right? Oh, like, yeah. Is that something that you would consider, like with Tony Gonson, like, hey, like he does have this splitter, like the model doesn't like it. Um, it's had actual success. Like, is that something that like 
goes through your mind that like, hey, maybe there's I know you guys have obviously tweaked things here and there and there there, is, there shouldn't be just because of one guy. But how much of that is considered it's like, hey, maybe this is actually good. I'm not saying that it will be or, or it mm-hmm. was, but yeah. could that be something that, hey, these hung splitters are deceptive to hitters and that's why they're not picking Absolutely. them up it's and they very look much bad, a possibility. you know, um, in no way is this perfect. I, uh, that said, you compare Kevin Gosman's splitter to Tony Gonsolin's and it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Why, why it's a 55% quality pitch rate on Gosman's splitter, which is 95th percentile. Amazing. And you see the locations. It's ama- It's so well put and all of this stuff. Then you look at Tony Gonsolin's and there's so many in the middle of the zone and his, his bad pitch rate on it is 52%, which is essentially half of them are bad. Uh, 4.29. I, I guess like, you know, you can get away with that for, for so long, right? Like eventually exactly. these, all of these hung splitters are going to, to catch up with you. And, you know, you've convinced me, I don't want to be caught holding the bag, you know, maybe he gets away with it for another year or whatever, but you know, you don't want to be caught holding the bag with, with all those bad splitters, just, just like you would for, for any other, you know, process analysis. And just think of the Dodgers defense just getting worse. This is going to crumble. I think. Not to mention, mm-hmm. also, Tony Gonsolin, like, doesn't throw a lot of innings. Just 130 last year, has never gotten more than that. I'm just not interested. Yeah, taking the over on the, the .87 whip from last year, for sure. <laughs> uh, um, Martin Perez, by the way, plus four hit luck last year. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, I mean, that uh, just comes to mind with, like, a guy who overperforms, right? Like, that, that's kind of a... Yeah. Um, Cease had a minus 20. Um, and uh, that mostly came slider was a minus 13, 98th percentile there, four seamers a minus 12, while the curveball was neutral at zero. So, Nick, as you're cooking up these stats over here on the other cooking side, up. so is this because right now the spreadsheet is, is public use, yes, but is is what you're going through everything that will be on PL Pro, or is this actually within kind of the the stat cast data that you guys have and that PLV so, um, so the PLV charts that you guys know um, is likely going to be behind PL pro at some point um, th- that, that stuff I think is just the whole idea with PL pro is us providing fantasy tools for everybody. And that's like one of the premier tools that we spend a lot of time making. Mm-hmm. Um, however, all the player pages will have all has all of the stats I'm talking about right now. That's how I'm looking. So at you them. go to you type in any pitcher list on pitcher list. You type in yep. any player's page. You'll see it's there the right PLV now. For, this is where yep. I'm quoting all yep. of it. Is mm-hmm. uh, you scroll down and that's going to stay there. PLV, that's yeah. going to stay there. The player page is going to be exactly the same. The rolling charts, uh, the uh, that stuff is going to be behind the the app. We're going to have all this stuff on the leaderboards, too. That's going to be free to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just the generalized leading board leaderboard stuff. I know also hitter stats aren't. Yes, that was my next question. I, I know I'm going to ask pitcher list about hitters, but yeah. yeah, I know. We wanted to go more into like the, the pitcher stuff. But honestly, I do believe that with PLV, it does tell a better story for the hitters than it does the pitchers because it's about what the hitters received and what they did with it. Um, which I think is is less of a uh, like they ne- aren't necessarily changing, you know they they aren't shifting the pitches so they're just up there and this is their ability, and yeah. uh, it gives a better context for what they've done. So I'm really excited about that and uh, we'll be rolling and that to out sort of soon. to 
to piggyback off that, like it, it kind of goes back to your earlier point. It's like if a guy gave this had this amazing change up that you know Mike Trout hit for a home run, like. You know, I watch a lot of baseball. You guys watch a lot of baseball. Like, I can't think of how many times that a guy hits a home run and the announcer goes, wow, you know, this was a perfectly placed slider. Or this was a perfectly placed pitch. I have like no idea how, how, yeah, or how this, how this was hit out for a home run. Like, to be able to quantify and to reward this home run was a lot better because it was this slider that was down in a way that right. you have no idea how this yeah. Mike Trout was able to do. Is so much different than you know, Yerman Mercedes helmering off uh, you know uh, Tortuga off that you know little like the, the oh the, right the, yeah, the right. Ephus pitch you right, know right, that uh, right. Larusa uh, sent him down to the minors for right like how is that home run the same as Mike Trout homering off this down and away changeup from Chris Sale, Chris Sale oh, right like, it. it haunts me still this will be the ninth year to be able to quantify <laughs> those two different things is so useful and i think that that's why i kind of and this is kind of blasphemous but i'm kind of more excited for it for hitters oh no maybe that's i am too you know i I think it i think it honestly is most applicable to hitters once we really finalize everything that we're doing i think the stuff that we have with swing decisions is unbelievable i i mean sure we look at o swing and no contact and all this kind of stuff before but having Something I've tried to express before with things like early O contact or two strike O swing, that kind of stuff, um, is throwing a perfect OO fastball should not be swung at. Swinging at a 2 0 pitch that's really tough in the zone should not be swung at. There are certain times and counts. I remember getting on Cattell Marte because he swung at a 2 0 curveball way out of the zone. And I'm thinking, like, once you know it's a curveball, just don't finish your swing. You don't want to hit it. Because if you do, it will be an out. Yeah. And those that are able to not swing at sinkers that come in off the plate should be rewarded, you know, because those are either foul balls or they're outs. And swing decision does this. It, it, it adds another element to it. Um, it, it there's so much we not can all takes. do. Not all takes are created yeah. equal. Right. And, you know, in, in basketball, they talk about it a lot of like tough shot makers. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Kobe Bryant was one of the best tough shot makers. So that always feels so subjective. Right. And to add kind of a, a, a you know, machine learning and quantitative analysis to go with that is, is so exciting on both sides of the ball. But yeah, for, for home runs and for plate discipline, it, or it's just going to be awesome to see that. To, to be able to put like analytics to some of the mental part of the game or like things that you would only think that you can get in a, like an actual scouting report or like, you know, having yeah. to go to scout school for or something like that, I think is super, super powerful. Like to be able to say, okay, this guy worked himself into this 2L count and has this advantage, right? Like, does he have this swing decision to be able to say, okay, hey, there's this dotted fastball that you're going to do nothing with on the corner, but you have this 2-0 count, but you have the swing decision and you know to use that to, you know, because that's great. You work yourself through a 2-0 count, but you swing at a curveball in the dirt, like it's wasted almost, right? Yeah. But if you have the ability to, to lay off and to use those things in the, your, your advantage, I would never think that, their stats or like a, a, you know analytics to anal- analyze that, but hey, now now one, the one of the things that I mean started my whole entire journey with all of it is uh, is was pitcher gifts of 
I want people to understand the things I saw. Because seeing a picture was way different than just a spreadsheet of numbers. And I felt there's a different visceral experience seeing a guy's slider and going, oh, this guy's filthy. I can understand how this might be better over time. Mm -hmm. And I've been chasing that a lot. That's where CSW came from. I would watch like Aaron Nola just make guys look stupid with called strike uh, to strike pitches. Right. And I'm like, well, this is great. Call strikes matter, guys. (laughs) And then like, okay, here you go. And it's always been this goal of trying to, I call it the bridge at the first pitch Arizona um, uh, presentation, but that's the idea is how can we quantify all the things that we see and we notice? I actually remember distinctly a beat writer talking about Luis Castillo's slider. I've mentioned this a couple of times, but he said for every good one, there was a cement mixer over the plate. Right. And I said, what the, you don't, we, we can theoretically quantify that we have the data yeah you know we could say if that's true or not and and that leads into you know quality pitches and bad pitches and why we're actually bucketing that and we can can showcase volatility we can actually say like how often do you throw good pitches and how infrequently are you throwing bad pitches that's a really important thing and i kind of we haven't really been with a hammer yet but i imagine there is a way to quantify k minus walk rate through that it just makes all the sense to me yeah even cherry um, bombs, quantifying cherry right. bombs with like, and, yeah, yeah, they're good, yeah. but they're also yeah. a lot of bad here. I think Dylan yeah. Cease was 30th in Q minus BP, uh, which is like good. That's still good. It's like, I, you know, mm-hmm. the way he performed, you'd think he'd be like top 10 or something, but no, but yeah. still top 30. Like, all right, good. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 just a good example, I think, of showcasing like volatility. There it is inside of it. Um, and there are so many other ways where I think we can explore it. And I'm excited to hear everybody else's ideas. I mean, this is just stuff from us that we're thinking like, oh, if we have a quality of something, we could look at this specifically. And yeah. I think it's like blazing our own trail in this way. And we're really excited to hear what other people it's, come up with. It's so cool. And it's really cool that, you know, guys like Cameron Grove, you know, are are kind of working toward that collective goal and the bridge that you talked about. So we're all excited, Nick. And And one last question before we we break and, and get into to pitchers as promised and just kind of rattle through some names. Can you talk about kind of what's next uh, for you guys and the team that have worked on this? Is there anything that the listeners should be kind of keeping an eye out for? I know you mentioned like the leaderboards right now, it's all out on the player pages it, themselves, but is there anything kind of between now and, you know, that April window you were talking about sure. that we can share? Well, I so first and foremost, you're asked before about like how do we keep up with this in season? How do we use it? PLV stats are in all of the pitch details now of our game logs. So you can actually look at every game and see the PLV stats of each pitch type that was thrown, which is really cool. You can see the hit. Like I, I put out a tweet about Reed Detmer's no hitter saying that he should have allowed seven more hits. Which <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay. You know, I mean, we all knew. I, I remember watching that game too and, and being like, like eh, yeah, like this you know, was good, but easy guys. Was I, I like yeah. Reed Detmers. This oh, year. I, I do too. Not, but not for the no hitters. Stood out, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, that was his no hitter was pre when we liked him. Yeah. You know, pre, well, right, that was slider. him. Like he went to the minors a couple starts later. I remember actually even yeah. writing this, being like, "This is this isn't gonna last." This yeah. is not a thing. I have the blurbs inside of it too. Yeah. Um, but we are working to have a live leaderboard, a la like the uh, Savant game feed on pitcher lists where that would cool. have the PLV stats awesome. and stuff. Awesome. So you can follow that. 
uh, we are going to get the the hitting stuff on the hitter pages as well. We just got to kind of decide what we want. There's so many, <laughs> and we can't yeah. just like throw everything. We got to like actually yeah. curate in some way. Um, and there is a process. It's not as easy as you think to get everything on there because there's also the percentile ranks and the and the league average that we have to you know make sure that that's working well uh, on top of it. Um, but uh, there's also the projections. I mean, we're using PLV to create our unique projections, not just for the season ahead. But also the DFS stuff um, in season, we have what we're calling PL bot um, that I'm going to be fighting over when my daily rankings every day. I'm going to say you're stupid PL bot. Like you should have this guy above that one. <laughs> Stress test. Um, but uh, but that's through PL Pro. Uh, so we have DFS rankings for DraftKings and FanDuel, and then with an optimizer, and then also fantasy daily and weekly. So the week ahead, so if you have like weekly leagues, you can quickly see who you should be picking up or starting. And that's launching February 21st. February 21st. Yeah. So like two days from when this podcast comes out. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. great. I am I am definitely going to use that because like I always find myself needing a tiebreaker, especially in weekly leagues. It's like, there you go. Who? what am I going to do here? And like, you know, I, I've done everything from flip a coin to you know, <laughs> look at whatever, whatever weekly projection system I'm using at that time. But I am definitely going to we, use that. We think that, that this that is, is going to work better than the season long one because it's a lot more about like this is what they're dealing with now and you see those rolling charts of up and down and stuff and it feels so much more intuitive to use us in the small sample and don't overreact uh, you know yeah it, it, like we were saying with the reed detmers or if somebody gets you know pummeled and then you right. see that it's six hits more than they should have given up or something and exactly. this is just I, like the more i think about it and the, the next like topic that i've run to and like how this can apply to it it's like you know, there's like, oh, you know, batter versus pitcher data is so granular. Like, don't use it. But like, with PLV, we can get so much better at batter versus pitcher, in, right? In I, small I, samples, I have right? To like, that's label, just, I have to put a, just, a, a, a oh my god, there's the that, possibilities. I, I'm with you. Uh, I have to put the disclaimer that we can't. You know, as far as the predictiveness, it's unclear. Yes, we don't, we don't know really yet. know, and yeah. not also. I will, I've said it many a times. Just because this player deserved success today does not mean he deserves yes. success tomorrow. Yeah, innately in my core, it feels like intuitively this is the better representation, most the most descriptive we can be, which theoretically should help us. The process, the process is there. Yeah, right. It makes all the sense. I think it's just about kind of figuring out how we utilize this the most to to get the most out of it, and we'll be figuring that out through the year yes yes. okay well without further ado we'll get into some of the the pl bot claims and some of the (laughs) ones that look a little different than the adp list but that's our teaser we're going to take our second ad break and we will be right back all right so nick this is always kind of our favorite part we put on our actual uh fantasy manager hats we get into some names and we've got the spreadsheet pulled up i think we're going to start with the, uh, the optimism, if you will. So these are the guys from the sheet that looked notably high, uh, you know, meaning good compared to their relative ADP or where they fall in the SP ranks. And I think the ones that kind of jumped out at the, the very top, Hunter Green, we talked about Kevin Gossman a little bit, but wow, Hunter Green, somebody who's been kind of polarizing Actually, Nick, I, I I threw Hunter Green into my PL mock draft, had to defend it a little bit, and now I'm quite happy to see him ranking yeah. as like the number are, five are SP. We getting, 
Are we getting a retro seal of approval here? You are, like a... maybe. I don't know. Where, where'd you take him in yours? I actually have it in my bookmarks <laughs> bar. You took him in the ninth round. Okay. I, uh, Which is, I mean, yeah. George Kirby went after. I still would take George Kirby. Though, so I don't know. Uh, uh, you know who took George Kirby? <laughs> uh, Steve Giswelli did. Steve yeah, there, there you go. Is. There it is. So Hunter Green's PLV. Uh, he, he was, I believe, the fifth starting pitcher if i have that right uh the plv was a 5.34 which again is high on that sliding scale so are you changing to be even more i know you've warmed up all off season on hunter green but did this really grab your attention in an actionable way it, it really did um we really love his four seamer and slider we just think they're both divine i uh, his slider rinks is one of the best pitches in the majors um and the slider not the not the fastball mm-hmm. and especially with how he commanded it better up in the zone um in the second half cal body talks about like command being a weird thing for the first year and it just all makes sense um i mean i don't know if this is going to stand we're doing one more ra- one more round of just kind of figuring everything out with our projection system mm-hmm. but i think right now the biggest outlier is hunter green uh, and it's, I, I don't even want to say it. It's just, it is the most favorable stud season you can imagine. Um, and I, I, I'm like, this is the one of the ones I was like, okay, like what's going on here? Um, but it just says, look, his four seamer is so good. His slider is so good. Uh, he's amazing. And it's, it's kind of hard to ignore it when Everyone else, I mean, the guys that are surrounding them is like Jacob deGrom and Julio Urias and Justin Verlander and Brandon Woodruff and Zach Wheeler, you know. And number two there was Hunter Green. <laughs> uh, also is Blake Snell, mind you. Um, and uh, I think that's a very interesting one. I think that's more about health than anything else. Uh, but And not throwing that. a change up, right? You're not throwing, he's not. He's not. Yeah. He stopped. Well, really good. he stopped again, unless we hear now that spring he really training only starts. He two starts of throwing the change up last year. It was just. You, really? Even the, begin, even the beginning? Yeah, it was like two. Wow, only I, two I games above that. a 10% usage. Uh, Got so, it. And everything else was like 4%. Um, nice. So we're good. Yeah, exactly. Right? We should love yeah. Flick Snow more. Um, hey, but the innings are a bigger you're problem. You're preaching to the choir here, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's been all off season oh, yeah, that's, for me. Uh, number, yeah. number two SP, second half of the year last year. I know. So. So a question on Hunter Green, Nick, yeah. is, you know, I think the narrative on the the fastball is that, yes, he throws it about harder than anyone in the league. But when it does, when batters do hit it, it gets crushed, or at least it did until yeah. the final, like, six starts. So does the model account well, the model for, for any of that? It does. Uh, and I don't think it believes that it should have been crushed. Um, as much as it was, right? Uh, but minus five hit luck is there. I think also, I actually am surprised at how little he threw the ball down. I thought it was a lot more than he did. 55% high lock, only a 21% low lock, uh, which is 37th percentile. That's good, by the way. Low, low number. <laughs> yeah, low, It's just yeah. low versus high. So that's really like a 63rd percentile or something, right? Um, and I... I, I think that he just is getting better at it. So I, I'm in. He has I, a higher thing strike rate on his fastball, I think, than uh, his, I think with did. Green, like, I, I remember, like, anecdotally, anecdotally, like, you would always look back at 
the previous year's leaderboard and be like, oh, if you reverse sort on ERA by the year, like the next year, you're going to find like a top pitcher on that leaderboard. Like I remember that was like with Robbie Ray, you know, or- with Robbie Ray, Carlos Rodon, Rodon, um, you know, uh, Lucas Giolito one year had like the worst ERA, then was an SP1, right? Like mm-hmm. Hunter Green just screams like he can be, you know, I know it wasn't that bad. It was a 4 4 4 ERA in the year, but. You know, if you just saw the, the, the first half and kind of gave up on him and dropped him after, you know, he had that six-homer game against the Brewers, right, that, that everyone remembers watching. Like, command just, I think for these, it's it's hard to do at the major league level at first. And, like, once you figure it out, especially with a guy like Hunter Green's stuff, and if you have all of these models— you know, not just mm-hmm. yours that loves or or ours pitcher list that that loves Hunter Green's slider and fastball. All of them, like you should trust that and let him figure it out and you know do what he needs to do between his head and to get his command right. And I think we saw that at the end of the year, and I think that's why I'm pretty comfortable throwing a dart and hoping to get you know an SP one at SP three four prices with Hunter Green. I think that's a really, really good bet to make. So about that start, by the way, this is really cool. You can do this. You can go on Hunter yeah. Green's player page and do exactly what I'm going to tell you is you go to the game walk, you go to that game, you let five home runs against the Brewers. You can see Keston Hero was one of them. I remember <laughs> it uh, vividly. You can see the locations. Fastballs are so down on this. Mm-hmm. The uh, the PLA of his four seamer was six five six. That's the ERA. So right? that's like the ERA indicator, the PLA. Yeah, right? yes. exactly. Or not indicator, but ERA ratio, if you will. Yeah, yes. it's like it's yeah. on the scale of like ERA. The, the ERA scaled. Yes. Had had four more hits than expected too, um, on the four seamer. I. Then on the changeup was a ten point four three PLA, uh, and the, and the slider was a six three six. Not a good game. Six point six four a PLA across his ERA and stuff. But then you go against the, the this is the funniest one to me. Is I, I'm just I, I love doing this. I love just going to the PLV tab of the game log and just seeing hit luck games and seeing what any outliers are and what happened in that game. Mm-hmm. And there's a minus seven. I was like, what am I? Oh, it was at Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And of course, like it's he like should a, have hit, allowed the hits, but, but Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. Grading now, for the curve. And that's yeah. where hitter performance comes into account a bit. Yeah. Is like negative like essentially hitter performance says this was the quality pitch and we expect you to do this and you're not What a feeling that is when your model like comes back and it's like, oh, what was this minus seven yeah. uh, hit luck that my model spit out? Oh, it was it, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirate. Nice. Yeah, this is awesome. My yeah. model is smart. The Grom's near things. the top and the Pirates uh, are, are not good. things yeah. they should. Yes, this is valid. Okay, well, I have to, to move us along, guys. Otherwise, we're going to steal Nick for the whole night. That The next one I want to talk about, we don't need to spend as much time, but Blown away by a guy whose PLV was 82nd percentile. You mm. can get, because Hunter Green's ADP is around 115. This guy is going quite a bit later. And at, at ADP 176, he is the number eight starting pitcher on PLV, and that is Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. So this was one that I was scratching my head a little bit, Nick. Maybe we can do a, a mini deep dive and, and see if 
we collectively think that Springs might be a value uh, going in, what, the 15th round. So what do we think on Jeffrey Springs and his PLV love? I think his changeup is really, really, really good. Um, and the slider can get better. And we still liked it, even though his locations were kind of meh. Uh, 16% quality minus bad pitch percentage is really nice on a slider. Uh, 91st percentile is change up too, um, for that. And the fastball, I uh, fastball got hit hard last year. And I don't know if that's just, that's going to change. I mean, it's really against lefties. Like how does Jeffrey Springs handle lefties is the major thing because the change up isn't really used. It's just about the slider being really good. And hopefully that, that, you know, can be, uh, in 2023, but yeah, I mean, he just says, look, like he locates incredibly well. Um, that's the real reason why he loves Springs. He elevates his four-seamer, keeps his changeup down in arm side, and the slider can be better at locations, but generally the movement and everything and how he uses it is good. So I, I'm a believer of Jeffrey Springs. The bigger question, though, is that PLV, what PLV doesn't really take into account, maybe total does, um, is innings. 135 innings last year. I don't know how yeah. the Rays are going to use him. I don't know if they're going to allow him to go super, super long. And that is of a concern. I don't think he's also a 26 strikeout pitcher percent, I should say. Um, I think he's more like 22, 23%. Um, but I I think Springs is a solid arm. I have him around 50. Uh, I, I think, you know, despite being a garbage person, um, it's still, you know, for fantasy teams, I think what his ability is would help your fantasy teams. So... First of all, yeah, my my eighty second. Uh, I was just seeing. I was looking at four seamer, not all pitches. So that yeah, that's mm. the PLV eighty second percentile was for the four seamer. It's much better for the changeup at a ninety six percentile, and that kind of brings me back to one of those early questions, though, Nick, where we were saying like, is there a certain type of pitcher that the model might like? And I'm going to throw out a hypothesis here. Sure. So. Some of I feel like the industry is flocking toward, you know, swing strike rate, whiff rate, you know, basically swing and miss guys and just trying to throw darts and say this is the next Shane McClanahan, whatever it is. Sure. For guys who don't strike out as many batters, but do have kind of a, a location uh, command, do we think that might be, you know, PLV might be a good way to identify kind of those command specialists who have like a really good high lock for fastballs and low lock right. for breaking stuff. I mean, is that a fair assessment? So there's a couple things here. Um, one, uh, Jeffrey Springs has a 15% swing strike rate. So overall, I, uh, so, so it's, good. it does PLV does like the swing strike guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just still really good. And I actually remember entering PLV being like, I need to give justification I need to find a way because there is something about the guys who don't get as many whiffs, but they continuously have good ERAs and help their team. There should be something that we can quantify that says this is why they're doing that. And we should give more credence to that. Right. The old Kyle Hendricks. Right. I'm trying. I was trying to find that because I think there's something really to it. And what do you know? It's still really good to get swing strikes a a lot. Um, (laughs) Right. Now, I I also want to mention, you know, mentions this a ton and it does apply with us. We don't split location. You know, we don't have location plus. We don't have stuff plus because it's not about this whole project isn't about the qualities of the pitch. It's about how good was this pitch so that we can assess everything else. 
right? And that's a really important distinction that we're trying to make with this. If you just kind of, you know, sure, you can have pitching plus together, but then it doesn't. We're trying to say this was good. This was bad. Thus, this you're you're start. You're starting at is this a good or bad pitch? Not trying to analyze the determine the factors that lead to a good pitch. Exactly. So it's it's a different plan of attack for us. Um, And. I uh, so command though that part of it, which is involved in hours, you know, it still involves stuff and, and location yeah. hours. Command is the least sticky one, so that's why I've, you know focuses more on stuff. He's a stuffist, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I totally love that. I uh, and so when we look at PLV and we try to say, well, this guy was a good command guy, thus PLV likes him more, and we should be more in on him. I uh, I have some hesitation because command is less sticky. Yeah. So I uh, I do wonder how much PLV will be able to find those guys. Um, I think, honestly, it will help us more to say, avoid this guy because he is a Toby. <laughs> he is yeah. a Vargas rule, and, like, this isn't going to last. And we can also say, yes, he deserved this success and is a Vargas rule where he is in rhythm and has good location, and we just kind of roll until the location's bad. Yeah. Um, and we're able to do that better in season. So all those things I'm really excited about with it, but I don't think I'm ever going to have that holy grail, unfortunately, uh, with PLV. Yeah. I, who knows if anyone will. So, uh, Steve, among the other names that we have listed, is there anybody you want to kind of take a closer look at? I mean, um, who? I mean, I, I don't know. Nick, you want you want to take this one? Go, well, okay. Go ahead. Go I ahead. mean, uh, Gosman's we've talked about enough. Every yes, we talked about it. Aaron Nola, duh. Yep. Duh. Mm-hmm. His fastball is way better than I think people say it is. Uh, Julio mm-hmm. Arias, really good curveball. Um, like the best in the game. So, a Quick question on Arias. Because yeah. every year, every projection system Hate hates him. Julio Arias. Yeah. Sure. Every single year. <laughs> and it's just something that you, you have to accept and like almost right. like ignore. What separates and 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 I see that on a, this PLV spreadsheet and list that he's he's grades out well, right? What mm-hmm. separates that you think? Yeah, that's the curveball. The curveball is just so good. It's curveball. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the Dodgers in two twenty nine BABIP hit luck was to what was it ninety fourth percentile yeah. minus thirty yeah. if I can talk. Yeah. Minus thirty is not good. Uh, that should get worse for Arias, and he should. Be, yeah, he's not going to be 216 here, right, guy? Yeah, it'll um, be 3-ish. I still yeah. think, though, that the curveball is really good. The changeup is not that good. Um, it can be better. It has been one of those things that there are moments when the changeup comes out, and it's like, yes, thank you so much. You've done the thing. But the fastball actually got better as the season went on. The velocity went back up. It's uh, it's Q minus B percentage. 86 percentile for four seamers. You love to see that from Hilarious. Um, I still like him. I, th- I see them as a step below Max Freed, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I get worried about Dodgers pitchers right now. Uh, I think that they're getting that's more than the projection systems like him. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw the 404 ERA from Steamer. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just a product of the, of the Babbitt being as low as it is. But yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So All right, who did you who, who did you want to talk about? I mean, come yeah, on, Stephen yeah. Matz is here. Yeah. What is yes, this? Yes. Stephen yes. Matz. What are, you, what, are you, what are you doing, Stephen Matz? Matz, um, for for before we jump in, so just yeah. on the leaderboard, Matz, I, I doing my counting was like 
the 11th starting pitcher and I was like what is he doing up here so <laughs> let's hear it Nick what are we what are we thinking on Matt's I mean PLV loves the sinker change of curveball uh, as the curveball locations were really good uh, 544 PLV which is like 96th percentile among all curveballs but he threw 48 pitches he threw 48 pitches last year um, mm. I mean uh, sorry sorry innings gosh pitches 48 innings last year. It's a very small sample. He uh, terrible luck. Clearly, a five-two-five uh, ERA. I don't. I don't feel like he pitched to that tune. Hit luck was actually minus six. So something happened. I guess it was home runs. It must have been. Uh, yeah, it won five homer per nine last year. Okay, all right. That that that's. I, I think Stephen Matz is a bargain at this point. I mean, his stuff is still clearly good. Um, his sinker well located uh, to to right-handers inside. The changeup well located down and away i mean this is pretty much a location plv guy less sticky to year to year small sample but considering he's just like ignored in all drafts right now mm-hmm. i for someone that should be in the rotation right he's the number five for the cardinals oh yeah 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 um, yes man i imagine he's not going to get the best first start of the year i think it's uh uh not the Oh, I should have this memorized. I know you're like Nick. You can't have everything memorized, but I should have this memorized. Yeah, he gets the J. I would be concerned. I would be concerned if you had this memorized, Nick. No, this no, is, no. This, I, is, this is like for, for your. I health. talk about one position in one sport. Okay, <laughs> all right. This is my time. I need to memorize these things. I uh, the yeah. They get the the Blue Jays. It's going to be Atlanta after that, but it, he would not start for that one. Uh, you don't want to start Steven Matz for that, so you probably don't need to. You can just leave him off at drafts. So you'll get burned badly in that Jays start, and then you can get him for his next after. one. So, uh, I, I, I'm going off Matt's. rundown for one more name. I, I don't ahead. know if you tweeted it or if you put it out in, in the Discord, Yeah. Um, but why should the Yankees have signed Michael Waka? Oh, because they clearly need somebody. I mean, a good PLV on the changeup. But who like they can't depend on Herman and Clark Schmidt. They just can't. I like Clark Schmidt. I like Clark. He's Schmidt. a nice guy. He was like on Clark the Schmidt. Talking Pitching podcast. Go listen to it from last year. Yeah. But I, uh, I don't think he's exceptional. And keep in mind also, that's their five and six through the year right now. You need. Yeah, more they're already that. dipping into the. Those are the. Those that, are the. Those are supposed yes. to be the six and seven. Yeah. Um, and they're already into that. So, they need. They need Michael Walker. I, I even. I, I I feel like they're just going to sign Dallas Keuchel, but then again, the beard thing will stop them. So I guess not. <laughs> oh, Dallas Keuchel without a beard. I do not want to. No. I do not want to. Yeah, no one wants that. to see that. I do not want to see that. No so, way. Nick, I think we got to end uh, with with a little bit of the other side of this, which is sure. the, the guys who looked notably low. I know Corbin Burns was low, but I feel like Sandy Alcantara, given that, you know, you're, you're the Alcantara guy. Let's, let me hear why we think Sandy might have scored low on kind of the PLV charts on this. Um, well, Relatively. It's, it, it's interesting. It, one thing that PLV struggles with and all quantifiers struggle with are outliers, are extremes. So you're going to see things like his changeup had the 100th percentile hit luck of minus 21. Now, uh, there's two factors to that. One, hit luck can be an accumulation thing of throw more of them there's a higher chance for it to be a larger number Mm -hmm. um 
and he throws a changeup that no one else throws. <laughs> so we don't quite know how to quantify. Yeah, how do you it. how do you model that if there's right? nothing it's else? It's a to little model bit tougher to yeah. do. And yeah. I think in some aspects, when you throw as hard as he does with this changeup that he does, that it is going to negatively affect him. Um, it is interesting to me that the slider profile is the highest as a five four one uh, PLV, but. Yeah, I think Sandy Alcantara is still dope and does dope things. I think he's honestly going to be better next year because I actually remember watching lots of games where I'm like, this command just isn't here today. And uh, it isn't as pretty as you want it to be when it isn't. Um, but yeah, Sandy Alcantara, I'm not worried about whatsoever. I feel like his stuff is one of those cases where PLV is going to be like, we don't know. I mean, Eno talks about all the time, like guys break models. Like, yeah, yeah. Sandy breaks yeah. models. And to be unique and the only type of player that does X or Y is a good thing. Like, yeah. To, the reason why he's good is because uh, no one else can do that. Yeah, that his total PLV is 98th percentile, but then again, it's because he threw 3,200 pitches. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think this has been awesome, Nick. Thank you for, for joining us, walking through this. I know it's... Uh, you know, it's much easier when you have slides and charts, charts and visual examples. Uh, but this is super helpful for for us, and I'm sure for the listeners too. Uh, any any closing thoughts from from your side? I know we got some exciting things coming up with this, uh, but a- any kind of final thoughts on PLV before we wrap here? Well, I appreciate you guys a ton for this. This is re- it's really cool to talk about it this way. Um, the I I really want to reiterate how this is a process with us. This is the this is the 1.0 version. This is not infallible, uh, and we are developing lots of things with it that I'm sure are going to surprise us. We're going to make tweaks. We're going to uh, you know polish this. But the idea, the concept of quantifying a pitch and allowing that to then reframe the events that follow, you know, the timeline, there's a pitch, the hitter does something that we've never been able to quantify before. And now we can, cause it's an algebra problem into contact, into an event in play to the result. That timeline is so important. And to be able to look at the first element to then help find out the others um, is, Oh, it opens so many doors. And I'm so curious. Anybody listening, think about that really like think, Man, if we were able to quantify this, what else can we do with it? What kind of situations could we do it? Um, it's really fun. I feel like every day there's a new idea that we have. Things like even inside of a start, is there a certain number of PLV that if you earn total that signifies a good start or not um, that we can correlate? Just like that. Like, well, that yeah. well, maybe that works, you know? I We don't want to make this a, only a PL exclusive thing. Of like we want you guys to to mess around with us too. We want this to be out in the world and and toyed around with. So, get your hands dirty. Check out the player pages and uh, have fun with it. It's awesome. Yeah, this is and you know uh, I know you uh, threw a little shout out to us, but I feel like you know this is the first stop on like the late night uh, talk show uh, <laughs> tour when the when an actor has more, like a, right? yeah. has like a movie coming out, like you know uh, Nick Pollock's making the round uh, the road show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, oh man, to, I'll get better and better you. at it. Thanks so much for enduring the first pass from me. 
Oh no! Oh, you, did, you did. You did. You did great. This is the Miss like Frizzle a... method of podcasting. There it is. is the Miss Frizzle and I method. Do. Oh, We're like, I love it. Yeah. Can we? Can we ask enough questions to luck? What's our hit luck on understanding these topics? <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, it's it's been a total blast. And Steve, I think we'll have a, a lot of fun in the coming weeks, uh, kind of working PLV into our show topics, right? Yeah, I think next week we're going to do something more hitter centric with it, um, which you know is fun. I think you know, I, I've said about how excited I am about that aspect of it, and to quantify those things uh, with PLV is super super exciting for me. So pumped for that as well. Sweet. Well, hopefully you guys all enjoyed the full ninety minute primer here. Uh, as always, you guys can uh, follow the show on Twitter at Winds Above Pod. Be sure to go out on pitcher list check out the plv pages that nick's talking about pl pro coming out on february 21st make sure you're in there so that you can get the latest and greatest on the charts all the exclusive access there uh but that signs us off for episode 87 another big thanks to nick pollock for coming on the show and thanks to you guys for listening as well we will talk to you actually next week on our hitter version of the plv and talk some fantasy takeaways there as well But with that said, episode 87, thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Later.